0: He is a sprinting specialist who will try two turns for the first time in the Whitney handicap. He's mind your biscuits and we'll talk with his trainer, Chad Summers. Plus, it's an alarming trend. Veterinarians of all kinds, including Equine, dying by their own hands at a rate much higher than the general population. What's going on and what can be done about it? We'll have all of that on this edition of In the Gate.
1: They're in the gates. They're
2: about to move in as they move to the top of the stretch.
0: This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us at the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. It was Monty Hall, the legendary host of the game show Let's Make a Deal, who said, I'm an overnight success, but it took 20 years. You might say the same about 33-year-old trainer Chad Summers, whose first trainee has been one of the best sprinters in the world for the past two years. Inside the final 250,
1: XYJet is the front runner. Roy H. having his work to try and get him down the outside. It's XYJet in front. Coming at him is Roy H. Mind your biscuits, begins to fly. XYJet, Roy H. Mind your biscuits, down the outside. XYJet, Mind your biscuits. Flo got him. Mind your biscuits from last. Takes out the golden Shaheen from XYJet.
0: The five-year-old Mind Your Biscuits, exclusively a sprinter up to now, tried something new when he ran a mile on Belmont Stakes Day in the Metropolitan Handicap. He finished a very close second to the formidable B jersey that day. Now Mind Your Biscuits is on course to stretch out even further to a mile and an eighth in the Whitney Handicap at Saratoga. Trying something new makes Mind Your Biscuits fit right in with his trainer, who's worn so many hats on the racetrack in just a few years that he could take up a career as a milliner if this training thing doesn't work out. And we welcome trainer Chad Summers for the first time here to In The Gate. So let's start with Mind Your Biscuits. Up until June, this horse had done one thing really well. Sprint. In your care, he has three wins. Two of them in million-dollar sprints in Dubai and been off the board just once in eight starts. What made you want to mess with success, so to speak?
2: That's always the question, right? That's always a $64,000 question, but, you know, it's something that we've always kind of wanted to do, and to be honest with you, Barry, I think he's actually going to be more effective around two turns than one. What makes you say that? The way he is, the way he's made, uh, the way he gallops, the way he finishes his races, uh, the way he finishes his breezes. The biggest difference is... It won't be as sexy. So, in other words, like when he won the Golden Shaheen and some of those races, he has this crazy co- closing kick where you know it's uh, your heart and your 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 heart's in your throat and everything else. And will he get there? won't he get there? You know, here he'll be closer, and uh, he's more of a grinding style. But his two best races ever on paper are actually the Mile this year and the Cigar Mile last year. So, the numbers say that he's actually better the further he's gone.
0: Well, first of all, I think a $1.5 million purse is pretty sexy, don't you?
2: Oh, for sure. No, oh, listen, there's no there's no complaints about that. We've we followed the money uh, pretty successfully, I'd say, over his, uh, his career.
0: But you mentioned the Met Mile. I mean, even that was a one-turn race at Belmont Park. Almost every dirt race at Belmont is a one-turn race. So, what have you done to prepare him to go two turns?
2: Uh, we've been working on this since January, to be honest with you, and what we've done more so than anything is just kind of longer gallops, a little bit slower gallops. You see the workouts are not maybe as flashy and fancy, the 58s the and 57s that he did last year. You replace them with a 7 furlong in 126 or a half mile in 49, things like that, where you're just getting him to kind of relax and, and pick it up towards the end.
0: Now Mind Your Biscuits is the basically the first horse you've trained. I'm pretty sure you have a few more than that now. What was it like sure. being handed the keys to that car, especially as good a horse as he's been?
2: Uh, not not really quite the same thing like that. I mean, you know, he's a horse that that I purchased as a yearling and you know, I spent a lot of time with him from the time he was a yearling, you know, until you know, officially went over my name. But you know, nothing really changed. You know, we got—I've got a great staff that's been with me from the beginning, and it's been a fun ride to be a part of.
0: What was it like saddling and when you got to saddle him that first time, though, in the Gulfstream Park Sprint
2: last year? Um, uh, a bit nerve-wracking, but other than that, it's just kind of status quo. You know, he's—he's he's a horse that I know is always going to kind of give it his all for me, and I give my all to him.
0: We are talking with trainer Chad Summers here on In the Gate. He'll send out, mind your biscuits in the Whitney. Now, you've had quite a few jobs at the track in the last decade or so. Hot walker, groom, clocker's assistant, gopher in the press box. I'm sure we passed each other a couple of times. And then buying and selling horses. How did all of this happen?
2: I think it's the love of the industry, you know, trying to find your spot. And uh, once you have a family, it kind of change, you know, it's not easy to, Live on two hundred dollars a week salary or things of that nature. So, you know, you, you kind of go to the bloodstock game where it's not necessarily great because you don't get that steady paycheck every week. But, but when you do, you know, you do buy a nice one or sell a nice one. As I've been fortunate enough to do over the years, the payout can be can be quite rewarding.
0: Well, you make that sound so easy. But how did you get all these racetrack characters to trust you and believe in you, especially being so young?
2: I think that they see they see the passion. You, you meet with people and, and you see people and they see the, the passion and the persistence that you have. You know, when you're willing to do all sorts of tasks, you know, as medial as they might sound, that goes a long way, you know, and, and, and once people can trust you and they see the, the job you're able to do and the results kind of speak for themselves, that's really the key to success.
0: All right. So that's the people on the track. How did you get your parents to believe that this was a good path for you?
2: Oh, I'm not sure they still do um, <laughs> you know and you know like my dad's my number one my number one supporter, my number one fan. I mean, we bought our first horse together when I was in college for a dollar named Sir Alec from uh, the Armaments. It was a horse that Bobby Frankel had trained and ran once and they bought him for like five hundred thousand so I mean we've we've been on some adventures and you know we might not have the big the big dollars like some of these other people have, but we've we've made it work and we've done well.
0: Well, truth be told, after about three or four years at ESPN, I've been here almost 26. My father still asked me what I was going to do when I grew up. So it (laughs) happens to everybody. Now, we know that Chad Brown, who won't turn 40 until December, and maybe he'll be 40 for 30 years like Jack Benny was, is the reigning Eclipse Award winner. But you're also shoulder to shoulder out here with trainers like Wayne Lucas and Barkley Tagg, who were born during the Franklin Roosevelt administration. I mean, what's it like trying to fit in with those guys?
2: You know, it's it's uh, kind of show up. We all put our pants on one leg at a time, and I, I think respect's kind of earned in this industry. And when when you're out here and your first set's going out at five thirty in the morning, you're out here at four thirty and checking legs and all that kind of thing. It's no different from a Barkley tag, a Wayne Lucas, a Chad Brown, and you, know, you just show up and you work every day. And you know, you don't take anything for granted. And I understand that I'm blessed and I'm relatively young in this game to to have some of the success that I've had, but you know we we don't take it for granted for one second
0: now what is your plan here you've had your hands in so many different pots what do you want to do
2: i'd love to be the commissioner of racing down the road i mean that's obviously it's tough to you know you talk about growing up or what do you want to do you know i'm i want to be in a position that's never been made before so how do you, how do you create that one how do you go get it but i mean look there there needs to be at some point, uh, this industry needs to be reformed collectively, not just one racetrack at a time, but but every part of the industry. You know, I've been fortunate to be in a part of a lot of them, and there needs to be one uniform body. It's the only sport that doesn't have it, and it's something that needs to be adjusted.
0: Well, if you're Michael J. Fox on Spin City, I can be Richard Kind. You can hire me as, like, you your assistant <laughs> and I'm totally good with that.
2: And here
1: comes mind Your Biscuits right now. Mind Your Biscuits takes the lead at the top of the stretch. He has gone by to a length and a half lead. Here's Awesome Slough trying to make a race of it on the outside. Mind Your Biscuits and he's pouring it on late. Mind Your Biscuits rolls to victory by four lengths over Awesome Slough and Tommy Mancho.
0: Now Saratoga is presumably one of the places where you fell in love with this sport, but you probably also know that both off-the-board finishes from Mind Your Biscuits happened there. He did win the uh, Amsterdam. But how much does that stat at Saratoga mean to you?
2: Well, he's actually one for five. He was uh, he was second twice to the two-year-old here as well. Yeah, it's something to where it has to be a bit of a concern. And is Saratoga's favorite racetrack? No, it's not. I mean, he loves Belmont Park. He loves... May Dan and Santa Anita. And I think he's going to love Churchill Downs later on down the road. Sarasota is most definitely not his favorite track, but it's a necessary evil. The race that we're pointing for is here. It didn't make sense to ship out to to Del Mar. And so we're going to try. And he's training well here. He's training better this year than he did last year. Uh, We're in a different barn where he's able to kind of see out the window and see the track and see everything going on. And, you know, he's a happier horse this year here than he was last year a little bit of a shorter track the, the turns aren't as wide but we think he'll be just fine for saturday
0: and we certainly wish you the best of luck chad summers thank you so much for a few minutes here on in the gate
2: you got it Thank barry appreciate the time
0: we're going to take a short break here on in the gate but when we come back did you know that veterinarians of all kinds not just equine are dying at a rate much higher than that of the general population why would that be we'll explore that question in just a moment Welcome back to the In The Gate podcast. The issue of mental health gains a lot of notoriety every time a mass shooting takes place. Oh, by the way, according to the New York Times, that's more than one a day. But if you had to think about groups of people to associate with mental health issues, I think one of the last groups you'd come up with is veterinarians. In the early 1980s, the main trade publication of the veterinary industry, the Journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association, published the results of a 30-year study on white male vets who died from suicide. Yes, I know that seems like a pretty narrow group, but that group died from suicide at a rate that was 1.7 times that of the general population in the United States. That's crazy enough, but a new study released earlier this year of over 11,000 vets and not just white males shows that male vets were over twice as likely to commit suicide as the general population. Female vets? Three and a half times as likely. Whoa! Those are significant findings. But what do they mean, and how is the thoroughbred racing industry affected by this trend? To get a little more insight here, we bring in Dr. Randall Nett of the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. That's part of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Welcome, Dr. Nett. Let's start with a treetops examination of these numbers.
1: What's going on here? So that's a a great uh, question. Lots of potential factors possibly contribute to elevated suicide mortality among uh, veterinarians. So some of those things, it's probably complex and we don't know for sure, but some of those things that could be contributing are the uh, demands of practice uh, such as long uh, work hours and work overload. Veterinarians work very hard. The responsibilities that go along with managing purposes, client expectations and complaints, the personality types that go into industries like veterinary medicine are very driven. People who are perfectionists and they aim to please and so I, sometimes the stress that goes along with having clients who are not happy with um, their performance can cause uh, stress um also uh, veterinarians are unique in that they have a uh, knowledge on euthanasia procedures and they have a familiarity with the dosages. they have, first of all they have access to medicines that they use during euthanasias they have uh, a knowledge of how to calculate a lethal dose and they uh, view it as a, uh, a euthanasia as a normal and acceptable method to relieve suffering in animals so you have all these factors so you have poor work life balance work overload and uh, the the personality types that go into the profession, and also um, this really uh, unique access to dangerous medications and the knowledge on of how to use them to relieve suffering. So it's a complex uh, problem.
0: Now, we all know that euthanasia is an unfortunate part of thoroughbred racing. How much does this factor play into the results, according to the study?
1: Well, we didn't uh, actually study the influence euthanasia has you know, in this population, as far as suicide goes. But what I can say is that uh, compared with the population, veterinarians who do die from suicide are two to three times more likely to die from poison self poisonings than the general population. And I think that speaks to again the the factors I mentioned with uh, access to the to the um, euthanasia solutions and a knowledge on how to use them.
0: And it's not just here in the United States. I read from some of your materials that other studies have shown that vets in other countries have even higher suicide rates, four times the rate of the general population in places like Norway, Australia, and the UK. We said between two to three and a half times more likely here. What do you make of this worldwide trend?
1: Yeah, so uh, we did demonstrate elevated suicide mortality among U.S. veterinarians, and as you pointed out... Suicide mortality is not just a problem in the, among veterinarians is not just a problem in the United States but also elsewhere in the developed world. That likely speaks to the commonalities of veterinary medicine which include again those things, uh, the types of personality, the personality types that go into into veterinary medicine the the work involved in veterinary medicine including very stressful situations like performing euthanasias which are obviously difficult not only on the client but also on the the veterinarian who's performing that task so i think uh, it has a, a much to do with about the people that go into veterinary medicine and likely has something to do with veterinary practice itself
0: Are there particular branches of veterinary medicine, whether it's large animals, small animals, animals for competition as compared with pets where the numbers are higher or lower?
1: Well, that gets to be a challenging question because many of the specialties you mentioned have far fewer veterinarians practicing in those specialties compared with, let's say, small animal medicine. That's challenging to assess what's going on from a suicide mortality standpoint, because when you have very relatively small numbers of uh, veterinarians in those professions, our statistics are not, not as strong. So it's hard to um, detect with accuracy whether there is uh, differences in some of those specialties, like equine practice, for instance, compared with the more common specialties, which is a small animal practice.
0: We're chatting here on In the Gate with Dr. Randall Ned of the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, a part of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Now, obviously, the focus of our little show here is thoroughbred horse racing, where just about everyone is an independent contractor. So when you're trying to think about how to make this situation better and alleviate the stresses that lead to suicide, like those that you mentioned, there doesn't seem to be a way to legislate any procedural change. So what can be done?
1: Well, in, in our line of work, we uh, deal with what's called the hierarchy of controls. And so we look for broad systems-based strategies to, um, to kind of deal with the problems we encounter. And in this case, we're dealing with suicide. And I think what we need to take away from this story is we need to better understand what work factors contribute to suicide among veterinarians and do what we can to alleviate those particular work factors. So, for instance, if we find that uh, work overload is a contributing cause or is it very easy access to these dangerous drugs that is a potential cause or other situations that maybe we can take a look at how we organize work and look at the problem from from that vantage point. In addition to that, we also need to think about the individual and the individual we want to make sure each uh, individual veterinarian has the knowledge uh, to know that they have access to help if they need it. So they have. there's a national uh, suicide prevention hotline, for instance, that we can make sure veterinarians know about. Also, we can uh, do what we can to lessen the stigma of uh, mental illness among everybody in the profession so that if a colleague is suffering from depression or has other risk factors for suicide, then they can feel comfortable getting the help they need because there is not that stigma. The big issue in thoroughbred racing here in the United States is the race
0: day use of the diuretic furosemide, commonly known as either Lasix or Salix. Some horsemen argue passionately that it's necessary. Others argue it's dangerous. It's up to a vet, of course, to administer Lasix to racehorses. Did any mention of Lasix come up in the stress factor evaluation?
1: yeah, so you're referencing a two thousand and fifteen study we did where we surveyed u uh, s. veterinarians about their risk factors for suicide. We did not have specific mention of that issue that involves thoroughbred racing. What I can tell you is that ethical dilemmas and situations that come up for veterinarians are all too common. The most common being you know when to euthanize a pet or not to. And so it's those ethical situations and others like the one you mentioned that can definitely contribute to the stress of a veterinarian. But I cannot tell you whether that contributed to the results of our suicide uh, mortality study. Well,
0: let's spin it forward. I mean, in the case of racehorses as compared with pets, we're realistically never going to get to the point where they're 100% safe just by the nature of what they do. So what does that mean for the future of equine veterinarians as a
1: subgroup of veterinarians? Well, I can't uh, get into the ethical uh, dilemmas faced by equine veterinarians. I think it's important that if veterinarians do have ethical dilemmas that are causing them substantial stress in the workplace, I think it's important to have an outlet where they can discuss those concerns in an environment where they feel uh, safe to to have those discussions. And I think that's part of what we're trying to make the veterinary community aware of is that, you know, mental illness, depression, or anxiety related to these ethical dilemmas should not be stigmatized, and the individual veterinarian should feel comfortable talking about these issues to their colleagues. Mental
0: health certainly becoming a big topic society-wide, and even here in our little sector of the world, and in- equine care and uh, animal care and thank you so much dr randall Nett, for sharing some insight on this say a prayer for your vet the next time you see him walking through the barn area
1: great well th- thanks for having
0: me our thanks to dr randall Ned and to chad summers he dashed across the sporting landscape in what felt like the blink of an eye six races run in 111 days that's all we got to see of justify who's now retired But what a mighty trail this champion blazed. His first four races earned speed ratings of over a hundred each, which usually takes a bit of time to do. And Justify was just the second horse to win the Derby without a single race at the age of two. While no one saw most of the Preakness because of the blanket of fog, Justify needed all his class to prevail. But in the Belmont, he slowed the pace and had it his own way, Six starts, six wins, and nary a travail. His record will ring a bit hollow because of so few races and none against his elders, not even one. Is he better than Seattle Slew or Secretariat? The debate starts now and will follow for years to come.